Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Build Shop Podcast. I am one half of your hosting crew and I'll welcome my co-host to the show this week. Mike, how's it, how's it going? I'm great. Yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. I was, I've been busy in the shop tonight, actually. You know, this is, we call it the Build Shop Podcast and I was I was building away in my little home shop there for the last, uh, you know, just before we jumped on the podcast here, I was putting some, putting, putting some grips on some golf clubs, cutting them down and, and doing a little bit of work and having some fun. So like get my hands dirty once in a while. There you go. Yeah. I haven't, uh, no, I built some clubs, uh, last week and I set a mirrors. I'm sure they'll hit the IG, uh, this week at some point, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm looking forward to tinkering with my own clubs. I've got a couple drivers on the way and some shafts that are waiting to be put in. So I have the urge to, uh, to build a lot of clubs right now, which is, which is rare at this time of year. Do you tinker a lot in the off season with your stuff or, you know, other than like building like something here and there, you just don't just kind of leave it. Yeah. I mean, with shafts and stuff, you know, generally with, you know, stuff that's sent, you know, for, you know, for us to see, you know, in November, October or whatever, I'll build it up and try to play a couple rounds with something. Um, but once I'm done with my set for the year early, hopefully by early March, I, I kind of just, I don't touch anything. I, other than a, a 60 degree wedge. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like I know I, I finished off the season. I got a couple iron sets kicking around that like just heads stuff that either was some, I bought off someone off Instagram or something I found on eBay for real cheap. And I just like, ah, eh, I'll get to it. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, what am I going to do? I could build the seven iron up and go hit shots in the garage or something. But beyond that, like, it's not, it's not a big deal, but uh, the project I was working on is, is not for me, actually. It's uh, it's for someone else, uh, which doesn't happen too, too often. I know people ask that and I don't really take a lot of club building stuff on because I'm pretty busy, but this is a pretty cool, unique project where it's uh, it's like a three length set. So not single length, not doing that stuff. I don't really think it necessarily works all that well for a lot of golfers. But uh, going through and building a three-length set for someone who is a pretty high-speed player and working on a little bit of a fun experiment. So, uh, yeah, we got longest three clubs are one length, middle three clubs are another length, and the bottom three clubs are another length. And the lob wedge is like uh, just right up, straight up a lob wedge because we, you know it's a it's pretty much a specialty club as we kind of talked about. So, uh, curious to share. Angle. Pardon me. Progressive triangle or all the same. So each um, each single length each like length category is a, is a single lie angle. There's a bit of progression in there as far as swing weight is concerned. So they get a little bit heavier into the shorter stuff, but uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm excited to like give it, get it to the player and, and have some feedback. It is, it truly is an experiment. Uh, he's got a set. He's a good player, but you know, working on some things and, and just wanted to try it out was given the opportunity. And we got some seven uh, Oh rifle blanks that have been, uh, I think they're, they're frequency match to like eight point, five 8.6 he's a big boy he's a big baseball player so uh very curious to see what this turns out i literally have no idea what's gonna happen that's uh that's an impressive frequency yeah it's uh it's pretty much as stiff as the 70 rifles can get i I had about an inch left to trim up the butt end so not much going on when when it comes to those things so uh but speaking of clubs you know we talked about some new stuff obviously already just you know between you and i but there were some old clubs in the bag of Scotty Scheffler this week when he took down the his, his the WM Open. You can't call it the Waste Management anymore. Although everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. Uh, maybe I don't, maybe it's because Waste Management made people think of Tony Soprano. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, Nike VR Pro. 
Did you ever have any? Did you ever have a Nike Fairywood, Mike? Did you, anything in the bag like that? Mm, I had the uh, I had the old uh, I had a VR Pro, and I had a Covert uh, Fivewood for a very short amount of time. But uh, that was my. I still have my VR Pro uh, Limited driver. Um, it's got a seven X Di seven X in it, and someone gave it to me. It was like brand new back in the day. And, uh, I played it a little bit. Couldn't really turn the club face over, but, uh, that's the only VR product I ever had. I can't imagine that covert five would last very long. Did it Mike? No, it did not. That was a, that was an interesting, uh, set of golf clubs. Let's put it that way. As far as metal, as far as metal woods is concerned, the covert, I think mock speed forged irons were sick. Like those are actually, I would say almost like a precursor to like the, you know, ZX five style of iron where like you have a very, hot carpenter steel face and you no know, little wider sole undercut. I thought it was, I thought that was a great looking iron, but the metal woods, uh, not so much with that red. No. <laughs> um, now, so Scotty had the VR pro, uh, no bag for other gear. You can, you can find is what's in the bags out there, but uh, I think it's interesting to be like the fairy wood. We've tested some fairy woods recently. You know, we just did a video on the new Callaways. Those things were ridiculously long. Um, in fact, if you go check out the video, it's uh, just went up yesterday. We we set the originally we set the green for what was the what was the original yardage and Ian like bombed Dude, it over. I, the think, I think we set it at two thirty and with the hybrid, he was being very humble. And the first one was like two forty eight on the fly, so yeah. we had to move that back. I know. I I remember testing those things, and uh, they are hot. That that like just the max hybrid is pretty insane. I'm not normally like a hybrid guy, but you know, it, it almost intrigued me enough to be like, you know, this could kind of work, but you know, I don't want to catch one and have it go as far as my three wood, which is kind of the concern. Um, I don't have any, I actually, I still have a, I know we kind of joked about doing some testing. We have, I have an SQ tour, uh, Nike driver that's still kicking around with the V2, the old UST V2. But, uh, do you remember the Dymo? Like there was, everyone talked about the, the, yeah. uh, the, like, the the tour only Anthony Kim 380 Dymo that was out and I think Tiger played the same one. Um, those Fairywoods, I like those things. I think they were actually pretty good. I had a three and a five wood for an, a I think probably close to a year, and they had the they had UST um, Active Core red. They had a weird um, those. They had a weird hosel right for adjustability. It was like no. really thick. No, that was before. That was before the uh, the SQ. What does it say? It was the Max and the SQ Black had that like right. big yeah, over yeah. the hosel wrench that beeped. Like that it was, was a, it was a wrench that had a battery. And I like I can remember working at like a big box store and that thing came out and like it had thirty two different settings. You could strip the things like just like that. They were so easy to wreck, and like the because the way the things connected into the hosel, and you knew every time someone was adjusting it because you're beep. It's like someone hit a little buzzer every time. I was like, okay, well, we'll maybe this probably didn't catch on as well as they had hoped. And of course they, you know, very quickly after that switched to everyone else did with the, with the underneath hosel. But do you remember the commercial where it was like Paul Casey hitting the driver and they named like every single hosel setting. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, this is the Cincinnati slider and the, you know, the Houston hook or something. I don't know. They, they kind of gave all these like city names. That was really stupid, but Oops, drop the phone. See, you know, we leave it in there. This is unedited. We just kind of go at it. Um, but, you know, this week we got to talk about it. Uh, I think it's obviously there's some news that we're going to get to in a little bit, but it is the Genesis week at Riviera. It is one of the strongest fields of the year. They've got, uh, I think the last time I checked, she was a treat from, I believe it was Justin Ray. 
I know he's the, he's the big stats guy on Twitter. Always fun field strength of this event is actually stronger than the 2020 masters. If you want to put that into perspective of what the field is like. So, uh, is it, would you say this one of your top tournaments of the year? Yeah, I, I've said it a couple of times this week. It's, uh, outside of the majors, it's, it's in the top five of events for me. And I'm going to be a bit by saying, cause I've, I've been to, I've been to Riv and I've been to the event and stuff like that. And, um, need to use my, my invite out on the West coast to go play it eventually. But, uh, yeah, just the vibe of, you know, right being in LA. I think there was a post going around Instagram today and it kind of showed like an aerial footage of, of Riviera inside kind of the, the madness of LA. So, um, yeah, I really love the, the whole, the whole golf course and just some funky holes, you know, bunker in the middle of a green and it's where Tiger dusted Stephen Ames in a WGC match play at one point. So the course has got some cool history. I always think, you know, the, the people always talk about 10 right? Like 10 is a big one. Uh, I think a lot of people forget, um, at the time the, you know, it's everyone goes for the green and whatever, but it's also the scene of the infamous Harold Varner top, which, uh, you know, didn't make the coverage originally. And then, uh, you know, I think people on Twitter were like, wait, what's going on with the shot link? He was, I think he was leading at the time and the shot link image started kind of circling around quite quickly on, on social media. And it was like, wait, did he, what's going on? Did he hit a tree? Did it come back? What's going on? And like, they had to go back like an hour later and be like, so this is the shot from 10 where Harold topped it 25 yards in the fairway. And uh, you know, he just, I mean, recently won, we'll touch on that maybe a little bit, but uh, I think I always think that um, the first tee, that first tee we hit down off the, like near the clubhouse, it it's like old school clubhouse vibes, right? Like anytime you go to those old school clubs, they've got, usually like the first tee or the 10th tee right up near the clubhouse. You can kind of sit on the patio and watch people go and chirp. I think that's always kind of like the cool thing about a lot of the old school clubs and just a lot of like, I say, well-designed courses is that, well, I would say well laid out properties. I don't want to say a good clubhouse makes a good golf course by any means, but you have this like first tee near the, near the clubhouse. And no, I always think it's like a great opportunity just to like trip your friends. If you're out on a, on a course there, Mike, I know at, at your club, is that, is that something that's near the first tee or like, is there anything near the clubhouse where there's a tee deck? Yeah. I mean, our first tee is uh, the, the pro shop doors right at the, our pro shop separate from the clubhouse, but our pro shop door is right at the first tee. Um, our, our patio is right on 18 green and, and, 10, 10 T box, the tips is kind of like a foot off the patio. So anytime someone steps back there on a busy day, it kind of gets a bit quiet and they're going, who does this guy think he is uh, playing from back here? But um, it's probably one of the best T boxes on the golf course. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that ability, you know, from the men's lounge, we can kind of heckle and yell at people from teeing off on 10 or finishing on 18. So yeah, it is a cool vibe when the, when the clubhouse is, is nice and close. Is there a way to hit down to the 18th green? Like, you know, people get a few, few beverages in them and like they start chipping down to the close to the pin or anything like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure my head pro listens to this uh, podcast and there's a historical event that happens at the golf course that is off paper where you drink way too much and you putt through the clubhouse um, probably after midnight. And then you can go to a fire exit and you can chip balls off the roof onto the 18th green. I've never done it. Um, and I don't know who's done it. So I'm going to just leave, leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we won't, uh, maybe we'll just leave it. Yeah. That's probably a good thing. We'll keep that off the, off the microphones. I can remember the, one of the courses, actually the first course I ever worked at, which is like, I think really the only course I ever worked at the 18th green sat like way below 
the the clubhouse, but the T deck for number what would be like ten mm-hmm. uh, or one. It was actually took a twenty seven hole facility, so there was like three nines. Um, but you would all like people would like always go to that T deck or just off into the rough because you don't hit a lot of wedges and hit this like forty yard shot down to the green. There was a uh, do you remember like maybe you don't at this point? <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't that old. I think I was like I was probably eighteen or nineteen. Um, so for those, you know, drinking age in Canada is 19. Um, there was like a Coors light golf event, no free ads to Coors light. They, they, they had these like events at like different golf courses and our owner operator was like more than willing to just kind of take on crazy events sometimes. And they put it, they ended up putting like an inflatable, like golf Island in the, in the pond that, that was, that fronted that green. So it was like a little 400 yard hole and there was a pond in front and uh, so they had like glow balls and stuff. It was a, it was just a nightmare. Like it was just, it was just, it was a crap show. <laughs> it's like the, like you're working there. You like you think oh it'd be a fun day. Like you know no it wasn't. It was awful. It was like the worst experience ever working at a golf course. Um, because you know a lot of people weren't there to to even play golf. Really, let's put it that way. Those Bud Light events or Coors Light events that happened when you were 18, I was probably eight or nine years old, so I wasn't into the Coors Light yet. Yeah, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say it probably didn't ring up as well as it did for me. And again, I was, I think I was literally it was like my first job, so I think I was probably 16 or 17. And you know, I let's, just, I think we made a lot of money turning the beer cans in. If there, if there was any like advantage to that, like dropping them off at the the depot and making our like 80 bucks, it was insane. But uh, Nonetheless, you know, we don't need to get on that, but talking about money, actually, you know, if we're going to talk about, you know, have a little extra coin kicking around, if you have $1,500, Mike American, Mm -hmm. you could buy the new LA golf putter shaft because news in equipment uh, that kind of came out this week was that LA golf, they had partnered, a sick had partnered with like Cobra to do the descending loft on the newest putters to do the insert on those. And Bryson is obviously like someone who was a sick ambassador, very like famously it's very easy to recognize using LA golf shaft in his putter. I guess LA golf just bought the company. Crazy. I mean, uh, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's a it's kind of a leg up for LAGP. I would imagine, you know, the, you know, that technology that sick offers is pretty cool. I know speaking with the Cobra guys, um, you know, I think sick learned a, a lot from the Cobra engineers and the Cobra engineers kind of, really helps almost dial it in a little bit more uh, only on like their, their stock offerings, but um, it's cool product. And I had a couple people DM me and they're like, Hey, can I buy that LEGP putter? And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. We were filming yesterday and I was like, this is news to me. You people need to relax, but um, I'm, I'm trying to get a couple for some, some people. I think it's, I think it's very fascinating. You know, like you can play skeptic, right? And I mean, I'd be happy to play the role of skeptic, but I think, you know, we, we openly talk about the fact that we like using different putter shafts. Like I've used the stability. I've used the Fuji Kerr in the past. Um, I like them all. I think they, they do offer distinct advantage. And if you're going to have a putter with one of those shafts in it, and then like carbon fiber head, like I'm, I'm kind of fascinated just to see how the whole construction works. Cause I remember, I know you're an F1 guy, Mike, like, okay, we got to talk about the cars too. You got a favorite car. I know you're going to tell me what your favorite car is. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Maybe this is a mute point, but uh, the, like the way that they would compress the carbon fiber, I guess I remember watching a thing on like F1 brakes and like how they're made. They're like ridiculously expensive, like 40 grand for a set of brakes, but like to compress that carbon, to make a putter out of it. I want to see that. Like that to me is like the more fascinating thing than like, Oh, it has descending loft. Like that's an insert. 
But to be able to do that and create like a very high MY putter and a blade, that to me is like the highlight of that thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I've uh, I sent a note out to the LEGP people just to see if they can send us even a putter just to just do some videos with and some testing and just see what it's like. And you know, we you know offer to ship it back to them, no problem, because I know they are very expensive, but um cool, cool nonetheless, different. Um, I know people will want to buy it. Their their ads are saying it's the most technology advanced um putter out there and um it's you know making some big claims so be cool to get it uh on quintex see some numbers roll a few putts and but yeah it's a it's a cool it's a cool concept it looks neat i think it's like uh at least from a construction design perspective that's the thing that always makes me curious right like you have a lot of different putters that come out and they're high moi and they look smaller like the five was it the 5k or 4k try hot what is the new one is 5k 5k right okay so um, not like five, like 5g cell phones. Uh, so 5k. And I think we saw those in person. We're like, this is like really crazy. Now I'm just thinking like, I'm imagining that exact putter, but the body is made out of carbon fiber. Like that is kind of neat. Like, I, I don't know, like I could imagine how light that thing would be versus the rest of the components. And that would lead to some pretty high MOI. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really cool, but yeah, back to the F1 car release. I mean, I haven't really seen a good car yet. So, um, there's a, there's, there's one coming up really soon. That'll be pretty, uh, pretty impressive. I love the look of the new cars. I think it's, uh, you know, smaller, a little sleeker. I think that the tires look cool. Um, I just, uh, I just need to get to an F1 race before it goes all electric. Cause I don't want to be seeing Duracell batteries driving around a track. I'm, I'm all for the environment and keeping it clean and safe, but see gas, in a fast car all day long. You know, the interesting thing, like I was reading about the, like the, like the efficiency of their engine, right? Like a normal car is like something like 20% efficient when it comes to the fuel, even not like less than 20%, but an mm-hmm. F1 car is like rated right 50%. Like yeah. They are blowing other cars out of the water, right? Like when it comes to efficiency. So I don't, I mean, I understand the argument, but I'm like, you know what? I think we can have cars like we're shipping we're shipping slow boats across the ocean and I don't know how much diesel fuel they're like, like using can't imagine that many F1 cars are, are really blowing through that much fuel. Right. Like, well, I know. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think too, like I'm a bit of a aviation geek and uh, I was chatting to some, I was actually chatting to a, a pilot that's flying a three eighties right now. And he was saying that he was training on a new a three eighty in Denmark the other day, and it is the most fuel efficient, piece of trans mode of transportation in the world right now it's a whole new engine and it's it's he's like it's basically a tesla in the sky he goes but it's still on fuel and so people are coming up with ways to make uh make these things fuel efficient and that's obviously good for the environment but yeah i'm all for f1 in fast gasoline golf uh cars (laughs) i like the uh you know what of all the cars i do like the williams i think the blue williams looks pretty sharp I know they got Alex Albon back, so that's kind of exciting. And that's a, I'm Alex fan. Um, yeah, but I do. I think they they look like sleeker. Like when they first saw the shapes, right? Like you look at the like 80s and I guess 90s stuff. It's really boxy. And I was like, it's kind of cool, but like you understand, like it looks old. And then you see the like the new car. I thought like looked really sharp. Like the most recent one, kind of like had the dimensions. It was like a little square, a little curvy. The new one is like a lot more curvy. And I thought oh, maybe it like kind of. I don't want to say cartoonish. It's like, maybe it's like, ah, it's a little more rounded, but like, as soon as they get deliveries on, I'm like, I'm like, this is actually really sharp. And I'm, I'm excited to see some races soon now that they've got them peeling out and driving around. A couple of weeks. Yeah. March. Uh, what is it? March, March 17th, I think is Australia. Mel- 
Auburn. Very excited. But getting back to Riviera week, you know, the, this week, uh, I know we are you know, behind the curtain. It's not Wednesday. Obviously we don't record this morning and then send it out immediately. Uh, but Tiger's press conference is coming up and I'm excited to just hear him talk. Um, I still think there is potential. If there's a course he's going to come back at, I think St. Andrews 150 flat golf course, easier to walk. If he's going to build up for something, that's going to be the one, right? Totally. Um, I'd love to see him in April. Um, <laughs> is there a golf group? Is there a golf room in April, Mike? I, I'm not sure. Is there a popular? I think the RBC Heritage is on in April. It's a pretty good event. <laughs> That's right. Um, I was chatting to someone tonight who, um, who has been teasing me with, uh, potential masters tickets. And, uh, you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, we're going to be down in Atlanta for the week and you should come down. I, you know, I've got a couple tickets for you or whatever. And, um, I was like, man, that'd be amazing, but it'd be amazing to see teed up, just teed up at Augusta. I mean, I would, I'd probably lose my pants. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think I'm going to go with Tiger tees it up at Augusta and then takes a bit of a break and then, you know, gets ready. He can't, he can't not play the open championship and not play a couple events. Scotland can get cold. Augusta is going to be nice and warm. Pollen's not going to be blowing around. You'll see him at Augusta. Think so? You'll see him. I, I, against, I'm not so. as optimistic as you. I want to be optimistic. I, I truly am, but uh, I know. Uh, I I still think it might be the. Oh, again, you're right though. You make a good point. Like it could be colder, right? Like if it, it is cold. colder. Um, the, the fascinating thing, which I know he hasn't really like changed the setup in his bag, it'd be kind of neat if he like came back was like, oh, I'm all graphite shafts, my irons now, and stuff like that. Like that's what I want to see. I'm like, is there really going to be any change? But I don't think like you know he was out there with Charlie and when they did the the PNC, and I think. So he can look pretty good, you know. He was crit- ripping stealth, and he was still like hot, like mid one seventy ball speed a couple times with the driver. And you know, there was a meme going around going, uh, "Don't worry, son, I'll just bunt it around this weekend." And then the photos him ripping it like one seventy <laughs> ball. So the guy's got some speed for sure, and I'm sure he's working on it. And um, yeah, springtime, you will see T Dubs at Augusta National. The one thing like. This week, I'm I'm other than you know the Tiger press conference, which I think is going to be interesting, um, is the like just the course in general. Like last year, it was it was bouncy, like it was. And the thing too, like most recent, like WM week before uh, WM specifically, it was bouncy out there, right? Like you know, desert golf can sometimes be a little bit soft and pillowy, just because they got to put so much water down. But that course was firm, and we saw it with. Um, so hits shot on 17, like roll, like hit a great shot, but it just kept rolling, bounding, bounding, ended up in the water. Uh, Xander hit one in the water as well on that hole, I believe on, I want to say Saturday. Um, yeah. It only was on Sunday, but like when the course gets firm and fast, it gets pretty interesting. And I think that's the one thing people like about Riviera because you've got a classic golf course in, in mostly classic like shape. I know it, it's been discussed that it could use for like a, a proper renovation, but you've got the 10th hole. Everyone's always, you know, everyone always talks about that kind of the risk reward that's there on the drivable par four, although no one really like kind of goes with the green is too small, but the, the greens are undulating. I think that's the one thing you get with like these older cool golf courses. And I mean, again, Phoenix is a pretty neat golf course. There's some undulation on the greens is pretty big when they, they hit these small targets on big greens, but the greens at Riv aren't huge. So I think that's one of the things that I always watch like this week, if I had to take a pick, it's someone hitting the golf ball 
real solid. I'm not worried too much about putting. I think, you know, it'll take care of itself, but if someone's hitting the golf ball real good, I think they got a chance this week. I always think I riff like it's a, it's a ball strikers course. Um, someone that's got a little bit of imagination with an iron. I know you look at Bubba's one there a couple of times. Guy knows how to kind of shape a golf ball. Adam Scott, great ball striker, Max Hama, who won last year, great ball striker. Um, you know, the over that's, you know, I think the last three guys that have won there in the last three years. So, um, yeah, excited to excited to get this week going. It's uh, like I said, it's a it's a great event, and if you've if you've never been, it's it's a it's just a cool cool vibe uh, in LA at that time. I know our our boy Johnny Wonder from Callaway was talking complaining about the traffic this week, which I thought was kind of funny. And although I know uh, actually he just he shared a story on his Instagram today. His car got broken into, or at least his rental car got broken into, and his clubs got swiped, which is I unfortunate. Did. I did feel really, really bad for him in that traffic. And then I thought, hmm, it's minus nine degrees here. So actually, Johnny Wonder, I really don't care about your traffic. Sorry, yeah. pal. Yeah, you can sit you can sit in traffic with your windows rolled down. It's nice and sunny. You know, I'm not rolling my windows down unless I, you know, I'm clearing ice off them by accident. Yeah. So um, but no, I think if like your pick you picked Thomas, right? Last week. Yeah. I picked speed. I think you beat me there. Uh, do you have a pick for this week? You're going to pick, you're going to stick with the hot hand of JT. Cause he played well. I mean, you got a chance. He played well. I'm going to go with, this is a, this is a long shot. I won't even put money on this pick. I'm going to go with Adam Scott. Um, and that's the stupidest pick ever, but I'm going to go Adam Scott. It's a good one. He does. I mean, he does well at Riv. He does well at Riv and he's, you know, different bag, you know, kind of, you know, not, not different clubs, but just kind of like a whole different vibe with him. So um, he kind of had a bit of a decent time in, in the middle East. And um, like I said, he has a, he play, he does play well in LA. Um, so yeah, it'd be cool to see him. I'll give, I'll give credit. Hadwin had a good week last week. Um, so for a Canadian, um, you know, I'm going to pick Hadwin as a Canadian. I'm going to pick Adam Scott as my other guy. Yeah. I mean, he's been going through some swing changes too, I think, or something. So mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see him play well. There was actually like a number of Canadians just in general in the field. I think one of the Monday qualifiers was Canadian as well. Yep. Um, so we're, 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 we're slowly, we're taking our, we're taking charge down there on the PGA tour. Uh, if I had to pick this week, uh, I'm going to stick with Brooks. Mm-hmm. No, he, he plays Rick. well, plays well, hard golf courses, hits the ball really straight. Not a ton of rough out there. It's uh no, it's a course that takes imagination. I don't think Brooks really cares <laughs> too, too much. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick. I know you picked him for the U S open, I think, but uh, you kind of mentioned it last week, but I, I'm going to go with Brooks for, for rib for sure. Uh, now, speaking of the middle East, Mike, uh, you know, all the talk so far this week is about super golf league. Um, we've heard some rumors, no laying up kind of reported some courses that might be uh, accepting some of these events, the format, similar to what we've heard from the PGL, you know, like 48 players, all this stuff, uh, Taylor, Taylor Hickok. I think it was, uh, on another podcast, someone posted a clip on social. There's all kinds of stuff with there. 17 players have signed like grand scope. I don't want specifics. I, I don't know any specifics and I'm not here to report on anything that I've already seen on social media. So that's not even the point, but like, do you think it's got a chance you think this has a chance to connect with golf fans or is it going to be just like, again, I don't like where the money's coming from. Very simple. That's my take. You can say what you want, but like, no, I, I don't see this engaging golf fans. It's like, you've already taken the money. 
Like, what are these tournaments worth to you? That's how I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the point, you know, where the money comes from. Um, I understand that there's also a ton of investment into other sports. Speaking of the Middle East, round one of Formula One is actually March 18th in Bahrain, not in Australia. Oh, okay. so I, I fix, uh, fix my uh, comment from earlier. But um, to the Super Golf League, um, in the top of my head, I you know, I could pick five players that I think would sign to it. Um, you know, guys who are, you know, 45, you know, close to 50 that have played on tour for 20 plus years and can't sniff a major win. And, you know, they're multimillionaires now, but, you know, there might not be much playing left. And if they can make, you know, 30, 40 million in the next two years, I mean, I hate to say my hand would be up too. Um, you know, it sets your family up, it sets you up um, for the rest of your life. You know, does it get rid of your chances to play in you know, some other tour events and potentially some majors. Yes. Um, and that's the tough thing. You know, I think we joked about it on Monday. You know, if I had, if I want to, if I had a green jacket or I had a claret jug and, you know, then signed up for the super league, maybe that would be the case, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, see who signs up and, and takes the money. Um, you know, we've, there's been, you know, rumors over the last, you know, three or four months of where some of these events will be hosted and, you know, rumors there's going to be one in, in the GTA, which will be pretty cool. So, like I said, I, I don't know if I hundred percent support it yet. I, I, and, but I'm not against it either. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm an old school. I don't love change that much. So I love the PGA tour. I love the European tour. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what this tour does. I just, if you think of the vibe from like, I can remember, you know, early nineties or late, I guess late night, I guess it would have been like 2000 at this point. Sorry. Um, like WGCs, like that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And match play is still a cool event. You have all of these like kind of guaranteed money players. Right. And then like, if you take that format and just like do it a whole bunch of times with all the same players, it's kind of like, uh, I don't really get it. Like, you know, you, you, we saw it in like Memphis, I know the Northern trust in New York was really cool, but you had like the Memphis event, you know, it's, you know, it's like 120 freaking degrees. It's super humid. Not that like nothing wrong with Memphis. I know the true temper team throws a wicked party down there and all kinds of stuff, but like, it's not the right time to be playing there in the middle of the summer in Memphis. <laughs> it's always like a rainy, like humid, hot event. Like players are just kind of there. Cause you know, it's the big sponsor and like it's, it's a place to cash a check, even if you finish last place. So it's like, like, how does this translate? I think that's, that to me is like the biggest thing, you know, there's a great article by Will Bardwell about, you know, covering what it means and, and a lot of the stuff behind it, which I think you can go check out on his blog line for it's a, it's an, it's an, a really interesting read about, well, call it what it is, sports washing. <laughs> um, so there is that, but you know, I just think from an entertainment perspective, this is, this is about players. It's not about fans. Like, you know, I want to see, I want to see interesting golf. Like, you know, Riviera is a cool golf course with top players in the world that gets me excited to watch, you know, all the majors you get, like for me personally, Canadian open really exciting. Right. But like, where does that translate is like the thing I'm like, okay, well, I don't, you know, I don't get it, but I also understand like the formula one format, right. You have teams, you have players, you have all these things. Like if that's how it works, I mean, I can see the entertainment value, but no, it's not fast cars. It's golf. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I'm, I'm 50, 50 on the whole thing. Um, And I think we need to, I think we do need to give it a, a chance. I just, I would love for in a way the tours to come together and, you know, there's some 
players that I think would sign um, that I would hate to see not play on tour anymore. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's one of those I'd love for them to still ha- kind of have a connection between both tours, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, now, now for the rest of this week, we uh, no, you just mentioned it. You no, know, we, we talked to videos uh, you mentioned earlier, we were filming on Monday uh, we had a big one come out. And I, when I say big, I mean by length of uh, Ian and our friend Ron, Rocket Ronnie, as Ian likes to say, at the Golf Lab, up uh, just a little bit north of where we are in Toronto. And going through like the physical TPI uh, assessment, it's not something I've ever done. I've seen the facility at Oceanside where they do a lot of that stuff, where they used to sh- shoot the old TPI uh, television show for golf channel, which I was, it was actually like a fascinating show on like covering fitness and covering flexibility and covering all these different things. Have you ever gone through the TPI certification, Mike? Yeah, it's, it's funny you ask that. So right now I've got a, a physiotherapist and a, and a chiropractor. I have a personal trainer and I have a nutritionist and like kind of vitamin con consult in a way. Um, so I've got a team that's working behind me um, over the last three, four years, I've lost a lot of weight. And since COVID just kind of haven't really been working out to my potential and kind of get, you know, being in the shape that I want to be in. So I've kind of, since the new year kicked it into high gear with the gyms being open. Now we can see these people and and get to work. And I've had, uh, I've had two screenings now uh, so far, just uh, we did like a, a pre-screening and, and understood where the strengths were and where the weaknesses were. And there were a lot more weaknesses than there were strength. Um, but you know, doing certain exercises after my workouts, um, whether it's a a lifting day or a cardio day, um, you know, it's all about core and stability. Um, and you know, the TPI stuff is, is an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, and sometimes what happens when you do those screenings is, you know, I'm going to give someone my dad's age, for example, in his sixties, he does this screening. He's going to go, ah, well, I'm old. I'm not going to fix it. But you know, people that do anyone I would recommend our age or whatever, just to go through a screening and to see, you know, little things that can really help your body play better golf can make you last longer on the golf course, um, is, is huge. And, you know, again, little things like I, I carry and I, and I walk 90% of the golf that I play, unless I go play somewhere else, I'll jump in a buggy and, and drive around. But, you know, we talked about that. It's not good for my back and I've got a high left shoulder and, you know, my range of motion in my shoulders aren't that great. So, um, doing those screenings, understanding your body can really help with your, with your golf game. Like we've chatted in the past, I've been working on my swing the last couple months. So there's a lot of changes going on, but those screenings are definitely, uh, well worth it. I'd love to do the screening at TPI and Oceanside. Does that mean I would be in California? Um, but I'll stick with the one at, uh, at my local gym. It's uh it is a fascinating thing to to go through that and see. I know uh you know, as I've mentioned in the past, I used to work for Title of someone who worked there, said they went through it one time. One of my bosses, we were kind of just talking, it was like we were kind of in between like training sessions early in the year, and he mentioned, like, have you ever gone through this? Like, it's really cool. We kind of touched on it a little bit. And he basically said, like, sat down, the physio guy, like assessment was like looking at my hip mobility. And he immediately goes, Oh, do you play hockey? Are you, you're like left-handed. Right. And he goes, yeah. How'd you know? And he's like, well, I can see like, you know, you lean into like the, the way you're going and that hip probably takes a lot more abuse than the other side, like the trailing edge. So, I mean, I can feel like, you know, this is taking a lot more and it's not quite as mobile. And he's like, Holy crap, you guys are good. 
It's crazy. I, I will say, I'm pretty sure uh, Chris uh, listens to the podcast. Uh, Chris Padman is, I think, the only guy in Canada that has all his TPI certification. So there's like different levels. There's junior, there's biomechanics, there's there's a health and physio one, and then there's like a, a you know, strictly just TPI. And um, the guys at, at TPI did a, a presentation to John Rahm and his team, and they rec- you know they mentioned uh, Chris's name. So that's who's that's who's helping me uh, play better golf and uh, live a healthier lifestyle. So uh, Chris Padman, if you're, if you're listening, thank you, sir. See like that. <laughs> you can say uh, John Rom. I'm going to have big expectations for you now, Mike, when we, when we start hitting more right. golf. I have shots. big, I have big expectations for myself as well. So um, now you did hit some shots this week. I actually, we did switch roles mm-hmm. for a video that that is coming out uh, later this week. But again, we had the golf lab. We touched on uh, we touched on the Rogue ST um, hybrids and fairywoods, the Max and the Pro in the hybrid, and then the LS model in the in the fairywood. You said it off the bat. We did that. Like you think that one's going to be the the best sounding fairywood of the year? Yeah, I really do. And and I'm not even going to play the fairywood this year. I'm I'm fortunately playing a new fairywood, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best sounding fairywood. Honestly, it might be the best sounding driver of the year too. I haven't hit enough. I've I've been in the bays. I yeah. have not. I still haven't hit the driver yet. I've hit the stealth a little tiny bit. Um, haven't hit the cobra yet. Uh, I'm a big fan of my TSI three right now. You know, people ask, people wonder. It's like, what is the, what's in the back? I'm like, I hit this thing the other day, and it still goes. It's not like it's like you know, it's not ten months old and stinks. <laughs> like it is ten I've months old. Again. And it still goes real good. I've gone against my rule. I feel like I'm back to like three years ago where I'm not fitting myself or getting fit and just building drivers. Uh, <laughs> I'm building a Cobra driver up and I'll most likely have a Callaway or a TaylorMade driver built up for a potential little trip coming up. So we'll see what happens, but I definitely need to get in the bay. I want to do a driver fit. I want to get that that done in Dustin. Yeah, I got I got a fairywood at the end of last year, which I'm excited to kind of dial in. I got uh, a new fairywood too. Oh, of course you did. What's the fairy? What are you not gonna tell me? Is it like secret? No, it's just, it's a, it's the stealth from that video. Um, I'm just waiting for some Ventus Blue to arrive. I'm gonna put Ventus Blue in it. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so I just like the seven seven S. Seven S. I've got a blue, and then I've got a blue TR. So <laughs> need to do some testing. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, those are that's a. I mean, that could be a really good combo. I had the uh, I have a red right now in a TSI two, which I think yeah, is. I love the red. Yeah, I I see everyone talked about it in the fairywoods, and I had I'd never tried it in fairwood. I hit it in a driver a couple times, like this is cool. Um, but everyone everywhere you saw it was like the you know on tour you saw the eight X and the nine X in fairywoods out of my league. Yeah. But to see the I was like okay, well this could be like really interesting to see how it performs. Um, so that you know Ian hit the Ventus blue I think in the in the fairywoods that he mm-hmm. had. Yeah. So um, now you did do some testing on the i525 which is something that i think is a lot of people asked about when we did our players cavity video and you know what were your you will get you can get into obviously the video but what was your like just overall arching thoughts on that iron uh good uh an advancement from i500 um that's what i'll leave it at that yeah we will we won't tease too much in the video but i will like for those you know we do get the address pictures in there in the videos but from if you like the i210 and you want some more distance like that is from the profile from address i think that is like the big standout is the fact that um it does look almost identical so you know if you, if you want something like that you know the i500 had a lot of offset and the g's the series has a lot more offset but this really does blend quite well which i think is kind of nice 
And last but not least, let's touch on this because, you know, we get this question all the time. It was the whole reason why, you know, I, I was pushing to do this video because I think it can help a lot of people. It's a resource for us. It's a resource to fitters. It's a resource for just golfers in general. And that is we covered top to bottom, every grind in the Vokey line of, well, SM9, but SM8, same thing. Um, every wedge grind in those and helped explain, we didn't hit, really hit any shots in this video. It was more just discussing the grinds, why they're important and who they're for. And I think I, this is one that I'm really excited to share because it's a question I get all the time. You know, Thursday questions comes up. As, as, as soon as that video is released, you know, although our fitters know what they're doing, I'm sending that to everyone. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we deal with a lot of product and sometimes you, you forget some, some little aspects of, of a grind or, or a bounce or whatever it is. And, um, you know, we did, we did use Vokies for the video and, you know, I will say on camera, off camera, I really think they offer such a wide range of, of grinds and bounces that can fit really anyone. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great video. I think it's a video that's going to live on, on our social media for as many years as we're, as we're doing this, because it's, it's never really going to age. Yeah. Obviously, you know, SM six, seven, eight, nine, there's always little different grinds that are added, but you know, it's, um, it's such a good video, especially if you're, like you said, if you're standing in the store and you're not sure what to do, like, you know, watch that video and understand the differences and and you got to know a little bit about the turf you play in your game. But once you've got that nailed down, it's, it's super, super simple. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's more explaining the questions you have to ask yourself before you go in and make a purchasing decision, because all the time, like what's the difference between a D and an M grind or an, uh, an M and an L grind. And it's don't get me wrong. It's easy to find. It's on the website. Like it, it is there. Right. But sometimes people want a little bit of a breakdown, right? Like, you know, what is your, like, what is your turf condition? Where do you play? What are the shots you like to hit? And I'm excited because I think it's something that, again, as much to your point, we can share a lot. We can cut it into little parts and share it with people. And I think it's uh, it's something that I'm I'm very excited to share. It. And of of all the videos we did this week, um, you know, we don't have to talk about me hitting golf balls because that's not very exciting. <laughs> that is definitely the one that I'm uh, very very excited to share as uh, as soon as our our the rest of our video editing team gets that taken care of. And I know. Uh, Cody and Casey, they do a wonderful job. So shout out to those guys. Uh, I help with the little, I do the talking part of it and they do all the putting together part of it. So uh, they're definitely more skilled when it comes to that stuff than me. Uh, but Mike, great chat. Thank you, you know, sir. 